What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Come At Me, Bro. This is episode 45, and I am one of your hosts, Joey, joined alongside Drew. Jingle, jingle, jingle. And Tyler. Touchdown! The bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now. How about them boys? I that one coming. How about them boys? <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, I love my quarterback. I love him. I want to pay him a lot of money. He's going to do great things. I know he is. I know he is. He's not the waste of money. The stupid running back that they overpaid oh, is the waste of money. there it is. The money, money, money. It's so funny. Wait, not the stupid running back that you loved just a couple weeks ago, a month or so ago when we were talking about him recently. Right. I, I said all along he didn't deserve that kind of money. Oh, we got to go back. Definitely we not gotta this go back. year. Man, if I had a hot take right now. No, what's the, what's, the, <laughs> what's that thing you call when people say something and then like. I think it's a flashback. That yeah, it's not a flashback. It's something else. There's something else. Uh, not deja vu. What is it called? It, um, Redemption. I'm not think, I can't think of it right now. Anyways, just listen to the air horns of people saying like, oh, I, Ezekiel's going to do great things. He's going to be awesome. Now, Drew, I'm not saying you said it was a bad contract, <laughs> but I just like to see what the hot take was when his contract did. But I feel like this happens every single year when it comes to money. When people get paid, they miss a field goal wide left. When people get paid, they can't throw the ball anymore. When people get paid, they can't run the ball. Um, money signs gets in their eyes, and they just fall apart. So no one, as far as I know, is getting paid on the bills, so keep keep <laughs> jumping on the wagon, no, They baby. had the Ryan Fitzpatrick here a couple of years keep ago. Keep jumping on the wagon. Who is their highest played player? Is it the kicker? No, no, it's actually their center, Mitch Morris. That's oh. a good. That's a good position to pay a lot of money to. Yep. So I mean, he was out for pretty. I feel like all of training camp uh, because he had a concussion. Oh yeah. But uh, I remember uh, us talking about that. He's doing pretty well now. So <sighs> that was a miserable, miserable game. That was not a miserable game. Well, if you're if you're a Cowboys fan, I can see I was miserable. But for a Bills fan, man, you were just jumping for joy. How about that play? That little trickery, little, little trick. Oh my gosh, I was I was washing dishes at that point and had the game on, and most people were outside by the fire. But I was trying to be a brave fan, and I saw that play, and I was just like, "Dang it, that was beautiful." I hate it, and I went outside. <laughs> I'm done washing dishes. <laughs> I mean, Joey, did you watch the game? Uh, I saw part of it. I was actually eating during the game. What? Better use at 4.30. Uh, we did. We ate for hours, actually. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was a big deal. I mean, my family being, they're all Bills fans, except for my wife. Uh, she could care less. Uh, sh- we all ate at 3.30 to make sure we got all our food in before 4.30, before the game, and crossed our fingers and said, all right, here we go. Is there going to be a blowout, or somehow we're going to get a miracle win? And we got the miracle win. So now we got two. Now it's, it's going to be now three games that I'm going to be able to watch like at home because they play Baltimore this week, which is another one of your teams, Drew. So we'll see how that one goes. And then they play Pittsburgh Sunday night. They changed that game. They flexed that game. They flexed it like you would at Planet Fitness. Hmm. So I'm you know a- what's absolutely insane right now? What's that? The Bills are actually in a position – to win the AFC uh, East. I, yeah. East? Yep. Yeah. Whatever, whatever this East. one is. Yeah. 
Yep. All they have to do is beat the Patriots. Well, they have to win out basically, but because they'll beat the Patriots then if they if they win out, and that'll that'll put them ahead. If if they win out, I mean they got they got to win out, and that's going to be very Absolutely. difficult against Baltimore. Um, right. But I mean, gosh, Patriots look bad. Yeah, that was a that was a rough one to watch. Well, let me rephrase that. Uh, if you're a Patriots fan, <laughs> that was a rough one to watch. I one didn't watch it at all, and two was very happy with the result. I was super excited. Is is Tom getting too old? Is that the problem? I think he's becoming the new Peyton Manning. I think he should start doing commercials. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people like him enough for him to do commercials. Oh, no. People, I mean, only Boston people like him. But if you could think of a commercial, do you think he'd be a good State Farm guy? Uh, no. Because who, who's Peyton Manning? Is Peyton Manning Allstate? Uh, no, yeah. he's nationwide. Allstate. Nationwide. He's nationwide. Oh, yeah. You're oh, right. yeah, because he sings the yeah. songs with Brian right, Paisley. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, with BP. So, I mean, do you think he's a good State Farm? No, that's Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes. Uh, maybe right. maybe he could maybe he could team up with Flo and Progressive. I was thinking he could be in, with the general. <laughs> oh, the general would be a good oh, one. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, him, the general, and the penguin, like in the little cartoon. Yeah, Jeep. I like that. Oh yeah, I'm sure he would settle for that one. I don't see why not. I mean, is there a better commercial? I mean, what's another insurance company? Oh, maybe Liberty Mutual. It could be him and the Emu. Yeah. Emu could go for a pass and you could throw it or something. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of feeling uh, Tom Brady and Aflac personally. Oh, I was thinking, uh, I was thinking farmers, and they could uh, they could talk about his kicker covering for him in every Super Bowl that he's won. <laughs> I think he's throwing ducks. I think that's I think that's the new thing. He's throwing ducks in the wind. Ooh, there you go. So Aflac would be a good one. Then he throws the ball. You hear Aflac. Okay, so, so do you think <laughs> – I don't think Brady played that bad. I mean, his completion versus attempts is pretty ugly out there. But stat-wise, 326 yards, three touchdowns. The running game wasn't terrible. They didn't really do a ton on the ground for Sony Michelle, especially. 10 carries, 45 yards. James White did a bulk of that as well as a lot in the receiving games alongside Julian Edelman. To me, I just feel like the Patriots in general just were not able to get it done completely throughout the game. Like, they did well, but they weren't able to put it in the end zone. And then overall, they just kept bleeding with scores. I believe the Texans scored, what, a touchdown every quarter, if I remember correctly? So overall, they just they weren't there as a complete package, and just not being able to put it in the end zone is such a dagger for a team like the Patriots. Well, you could see Brady getting frustrated with his receivers not getting open. And so right. the, the, the balls he was throwing were contested because his receivers were not getting open. He, he, has a, he lacks. The only person he has is Edelman. He lacks depth at wide receiver. And believe it or not, this defense has been carrying the Patriots. This has mm-hmm. been a ridiculous defense, giving up hardly any points, and they've been. They, I believe. I mean, if you look at, I think maybe after week five or week ten, maybe week ten, um, I think the Patriots' defense scored more points than the Washington Redskins' offense for a stretch of time. Yeah. So well, they had, they had they had scored enough points in every game that they would have won every game if the offense hadn't scored at all through like week exactly. eight or nine. Exactly. So my so this offense of the Patriots has just been petering out. People are, I mean, it's it's finally coming to a halt, um, and it comes at a great time where the Bills are charging and moving. So we'll, it's going to be an interesting next five weeks. I mean, I've seen it before. They can fall apart. Um, 
but it you know with the momentum we have I've never had more confidence than I have right now as a Bills fan without even knowing how the game this next week is going to go against the Ravens I already want them to play each other again in the AFC championship like I'm that excited for what this game could be and what these two teams are doing yeah I mean what what can't what Bills have is almost a complete package I think they still lack a little bit on offense I think Dallas is abysmal and they showed that on Turkey Day. Um, but I, I know we can't go offense to offense. I mean, our defense, I think we have we come close to the complete package other than, you know, the Baltimore Ravens, which is a very good, it's a very good team, um, which they had to figure out how to stop Lamar because um, no one has figured it out yet. I mean, San Francisco has, has done an amazing, did a great, amazing job yesterday, you know, this past week in, Stopping Lamar and trying to keep him at bay, so and with the conditions, I got some help with the rain there. Yeah, yeah. and the conditions, you know, helpful were a factor. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully it snows this weekend and it'll be a fun <laughs> game to watch. Oh, I love watching games in the snow. Okay, I do want to talk about the Bills because there is one player in particular I do not feel like is getting enough credit for where credit is due. Everyone knows the Bills' defense is great. It's been there. It's been pretty good for years. It's been continually improving with young players. Then you look at the offense. You have Josh Allen, extremely talented as well. LaShawn McCoy's shoes have been filled at running back too. But one person who never seems to come up in conversation is John Brown. I said it last year. I said the Bills needed more veteran wide receivers. They needed a bigger wide receiver presence. John Brown has come in, and he's probably going to hit 1,000 receiving yards this year. Yeah, hopefully more. Um, hopefully a lot more. And I think the reason why... Cole Beasley had a big day. It was because they thought they were going to go to John, Bo- John Brown more, and Cole Beasley was able to find a way open. I mean, this yeah. is what Buffalo lacked all last year was finding receivers to get open. And it didn't have to be a veteran. It just had to get a guy freaking open because people would throw into one-man, two-man coverage. Um, and I don't know if you guys have seen the statistics, but when Josh Allen plays a defense that goes zone, he is 30 times more likely. And I mean, that's a little exaggeration, but he's – but he is more likely – he's like 16 touchdowns for like two picks. But when they're man-to-man, it's like eight picks for – or six picks for like three touchdowns. He knows how to, to divide up an offense in zone and find – because he can throw the ball anywhere. And, it, and if you're a receiver that gets open in the zone, you're good. You'll, he'll find you. He'll get you. But when it comes to man-to-man, he's still a little more cautious um, – and so teams, in order to beat them, they have to play man-to-man. And for some whatever reason, Dallas wanted to play zone. Yeah, I just I really like John Brown. And again, I think Cole Beasley's great, too. I think you say it's not veteran, but I do think the veteran presence does have an impact with this. They know how to trip up defenders. They've been there before. It's just not a rookie trying to beat someone with a speed. It's someone who knows how to play mind games with some of these cornerbacks and linebackers and safeties as well. So I think that does factor into it. On top of that, they can almost mentor Josh Allen a bit, too. This is a young quarterback. He has some games under his belt at this point. But at the same point, he's now got some veteran wide receivers in his core. It's not just a bunch of young speedsters. He's now finally got those people that know the presence of the field, that have an impact on the field because they've been there before. They know their way around. That, to me, is some kind of an impact as well. Again, I love young wide receivers. I think they bring a lot of electricity to the field. But those veterans also just bring a really strong aspect to a young Bills offense. Okay, I've had enough Bills. The Bills won. Uh, I honestly did not think it was that crazy of a win. I mean, Tyler called it a miracle. 
I think well, so when it came to betting in particular for Thanksgiving, I did not bet on this game. I yeah. thought it was going to be too close. I think the money line or the um the over under or whatever it's called, I'm not very good with the betting by the number stuff, uh was minus 7. I did not think Dallas would come out by 7. I thought this was going to be a very very close game. I did take the bets on Chicago and New Orleans winning. Those ended up pretty good, but I think a lot of people doubted the Bills. A lot of it because they were going down to Dallas. Dallas has got a huge stadium and Jerry Jones and da-da-da-da-da. And Dallas is great and they're America's team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Bills come in with a very strong defense. Dallas, I'm sorry to say this, Drew, I don't think they've really proven themselves that strongly based on their schedule. I think they've had a lot of weak spots in there. They haven't had that many winning opponents on their schedule, if I remember correctly. They haven't beaten anybody with a winning record. See, that's another big factor to me. Like The Bills are showing up. They're showing that their defense can hold at the strongest. Again, I don't think Dallas is bad in any way. They played really well up against the Patriots recently. They didn't do that terrible against Buffalo here. But when it comes down to it, I just they're still so unproven to me that I was feeling like it was a little too risky to go straight up on Dallas on that one. They are a bad, good team. They, are, they have too much talent to be as bad as they are, but I wouldn't bet on them in any game. Not against, especially not the next couple, not against Chicago and not against the Rams. Those are their next two games. So, Which the Rams now have a winning record, so if they beat them, then hey, they'll at least break that streak. And I wouldn't even say Dallas is bad, if I'm being honest. Like you said, the talent is there. The skill is there. I feel like part of it comes back on the coaches. I don't feel like the play calls are that great. Tyler mentioned it with the defense. The zone defense wasn't the right play against a Buffalo team like this. I would probably say no. It sounds like Tyler would as well. I mean, when it comes down to it, I think there's a lot of pieces in Dallas, and they have the pieces to the puzzle. They just haven't been able to put it together so far this season. They need a better coach, and they need a new kicker. Ah, They don't need a new coach. Well, they do need a new coach, but I don't think you need to get rid of him in the beginning of the season. I think No, I don't think it serves any purpose now, but it needs to be a conversation after this year. What do you think the winning record of the NFC East is going to be? Oh, it's going to be nine and seven. I think it's going to be seven and nine. You think so? I mean, I Billy just lost to, my, to the fish. I mean, oh yeah, that's bad. And then you know, did you? Oh, did you see the? Did you see the trick play in that game? I did. That was pretty cute. Oh, it was beautiful. Oh, it made me so happy. One of my buddies at work is a Phillies fan, and so he couldn't. Or a Phillies fan. Wow, I hate them too. Um, is an Eagles fan. <laughs> hey, and, slow your uh, roll there, Sarah Lee. And he came in and he couldn't say anything to me about the Cowboys losing on Thanksgiving because he knew I had that trick play replay locked and loaded and ready to go. <laughs> okay, so the Cowboys have the Bears, the Rams, the Eagles, and the Skins left. They're winning. Right. One. So and then if they if we win think... out, they'll go. That's ten and six if they win. They're not going to win out. And the... they'll lose at least one of those. Eagles have the Giants, the Redskins, the Cowboys, and the Giants. So they're all conference straight up at the end. They have a chance to go four and zero with that schedule, so that would put them at nine and seven. I'm telling you, it's going to be an eight and eight or seven and nine. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. How bad is that? Seven and nine. I mean, both teams have four zero potential. The teams are like even the Cowboys, like the Bears. Yeah, their defense is great, but they can't score an offense to save their lives. The Rams look like two different teams. They look like a Ram stuck behind a fence or a Ram that's in free in the field, depending what week it is. The Eagles look like they've had their wings clipped. I mean, none of these teams really have shown that they can really be forceful, but the Cowboys as well just haven't shown that consistency either. Right. They, it, it's going to be the Cowboys or the Eagles, obviously. But I don't know. who I mean, it ends what, up being, I'm really record? not what sure. What is the Giants record? Like three and something? They're not four? I, I just closed it. Uh, the Giants record, da, 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 loading, loading, uh, two and ten. Oh, <laughs> Yikes. 
how did the Redskins They're behind beat the Redskins. out the Giants? The Redskins have a better chance. Yeah, the Redskins are three and nine on a two win streak. The Giants are two and ten on a eight loss streak. Oh, Good gosh. So I don't Awful. think the Giants because well, I can say this. Because the Cowboys beat the Giants both times. If the Giants win out and the Cowboys lose out, they'll have the same record, but the Cowboys will win the tiebreaker because they beat the Giants twice. So the Giants at least are not a threat. The Redskins are still technically a threat. Somehow the Redskins are still a threat. I don't believe it. Yeah, if the Redskins win out and end up making it into playoffs, I think that would be crazier than the percentage that the Nationals had at winning the World Series. Oh, by all, yes, absolutely. That'd be like starting all rookie pitchers. I mean, that would be insane if they were to come back and do that. Yep, especially considering one of those games is the Packers, uh, and I just don't see them beating the Packers in Green Bay. I would become a Washington. Uh, especially, I would become a Washington racial slur fan then. If they what, can we get that in writing, sir? Made, I will write that down. Uh, I've got the sound clip ready, so <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, lock that one in, Drew. If so when he does a little, I never said that. Year, then we can play it back with the horns I'll, for him. I'll be back. Hey, I will, can, can, can. I'll become a Redskin <laughs> fan. <laughs> wow, your Vuvuzela is quite on. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that was well played. I need sir. to find that out. Uh, so a few other pieces of news throughout the NFL. Drew Locke locked in his first start, I believe. His first is this his first career start or just his first start this year? That's his um, first career Denver. start. He's a rookie, and then he was oh, yeah, hurt so, th- right, in right, right. training camp. So straight up rookie Drew Locke comes in. Not the greatest stats here. He went eighteen and twenty-eight, one hundred and thirty-four yards. Both the touchdowns looked absolutely gorgeous, though, and he did tag an interception on as well. Uh, led them to a victory over divisional rival, the Chargers. Barely. To oh, my gosh. Barely. Did, did you see that? Yeah. That was the most heartbreaking way the, the Chargers could have lost that game. Oh, my gosh. Drew Locke was so pumped. He was like, it worked. Like, he like he did it on purpose. Oh, that's exactly. I bet he did. Everyone knew that's why you'd throw it deep on a play like that. You're trying to draw the pass interference. Worst thing that happens is nothing, and then you go to overtime. Yeah, I was so surprised. I was like, wow. Uh, I couldn't. And it was it was one of those, I was talking with some folks about it. It's one of those calls that it's a it's a terrible call in that there wasn't a lot to be done there, but it was technically correct. And those are the most frustrating. I mean, if, uh, it was the guy is clueless enough to get in front of the receiver. Yep. To, to and he didn't turn if he had turned just turned around to played the yep. ball and been there, he'd have been fine. But because he didn't turn it around until it was there. So for those listeners who didn't watch any of the game, uh, as most people did not watch unless you're on the West Coast, uh the play there was literally eight seconds left. Uh the Denver Broncos are on the twenty five yard line. Um they yeah, like that. twenty five, thirty yard line. Um they are nowhere in field goal range. Uh, Drew Locke steps back to pass, throws a bomb to Cortland Sutton. As Cortland Sutton is looking some, somewhat to be overthrown slightly, the Chargers defender just runs and f- kind of haphazardly runs in front of the Denver defender and prevents him from catching the ball without turning his head, and therefore it was pass interference. And the that, that foul just happened to occur on the 30... Eight yard line, no, thirty four yard line of the Chargers, which gives them about a fifty one yard field goal. And so, there you have it. Bada boom, bada bing. McManus hit drills a fifty one yarder like any other, like like yeah. a good kicker would. Unlike any of our kickers in this day and age, can't seem to hit anywhere between the uprights. 
I don't know how that happens. Like, there have to be just hundreds of kickers out there who can kick field goals. Yeah, it's been bad. It's been really bad. I've I've seen more balls hit the upright this year, like in the last few weeks, than I think I have in the last four or five years combined. Yeah, I mean, even missing extra points, you know, granted it's farther distance, not it's not automatic anymore, but still, just the amount of field goals being missed, and then you have someone like Justin Tucker, windy, rainy, cold, forty degrees, rain, you know, wins it on a. 47 yarder or something. Just like no problem. I mean, I s- they get these kickers from all over the place. And they just don't make them in clutch situations or game time situations. I mean, the I feel like every team in its own uh, division, so whether it be AFC East, West, South, North, NFC, I feel like every team has gone through two or three kickers. One team has gone through two or three kickers. You look at the Patriots. You look at, I mean, you look at your fantasy team, like seven of them are on IR because they pulled a hammy or something. It, it's yeah, ridiculous. It's crazy. Uh, Sign me up. And like, Vinatieri's got to be done this year. Like, he I, he, he was doubt, he wasn't sure he wanted to come back anyway. And then he's been kind of awful. The, the Falcons cut, you know, uh, Matt Bryant, uh, the best scorer in their team's history they totally botched his retirement by just cutting him midway through the season like it's just not been the year of the kicker at all yep heck even in college football you saw uh alabama's uh inability to find a quality kicker come back to haunt them this week yeah it's just been bad Mm -mm. more home runs than any other year this season for mlb boring over here we're missing field goals left and right boring well, to be fair, they swing the they swing the bat at the ball a lot more times than a kicker swings their ball, their foot at the ball. So, very true. But what about percentage based? Has anyone broken down those? No, and I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna throw that out there now. Okay, a couple more NFL stories to hit quick before we jump onto that college football picture. Minshew is now the starter in Jacksonville once again. Minshew Romania has returned. Uh, Nick Foles heading back to the bench. Nick Foles. Great quarterback. Well, some say great, some say good quarterback. He was with Philadelphia. He won a Super Bowl over there. Then he got signed, I believe, as a four-year deal to Jacksonville, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, like $80 million, something in that range. So he's over on Jacksonville. People are expecting, ah, oh, Nick Foles, Super Bowl quarterback, coming to Jacksonville. We finally have a quarterback. Uh, it's just not paid off. He got injured in week one. Then Minshew came in, had some great electricity, had some noise, did really well connecting with wide receivers. Uh, DJ Shark was doing well. Uh, D.D. Westbrook was doing well. Then he kind of fell off. Foles returned. Foles has lost. Uh, he's lost some really bad games recently. I believe it's been two or three in a row at this point. Jacksonville is now moving in the direction of Minshew. Their playoff hopes are pretty much abandoned at this point. So they're saying, hey, Nick Foles, you're riding the pine, and we are sending out Minshew. Is this the right decision at this point in the game with the postseason most likely being pretty much down for Jacksonville at this point? Do you send out the young starter here and kind of put your million-dollar quarterback, in a sense, that 80-plus million-dollar quarterback on the bench? That's sad. It just goes back to money, 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 money. I mean, if, they, if they're really waving the white flag, I guess it makes sense to put in the guy who's had who needs the experience. But, man, to crap out on Nick Foles after one game of coming back. Was I, his third game I, I think it's been two or three, yeah. It's been one. 
It was his third game back. Third yeah, game I think it's, back? it's been like a couple. Ooh. Woof. I, I don't have a problem with them making the switch. Um, I know with Foles' injury, he's still got to be coming back from it to some degree just because he was cleared to play and they ran with it doesn't mean he's fully back. Um, and I think you go ahead and let him just finish out the season resting and recovering. Uh, and you're already invested in him. You don't want to risk him breaking more. If he can get healthier again, then maybe next year he becomes the asset you need him to be. Uh, otherwise, you get some time to see Gardner Minshew, let him grow and develop some more. And, you know, worst case scenario, you end up with a quarterback controversy on your hands, which isn't a terrible thing to have. Uh, best case scenario, you discover that he is the next big thing and you figure out something to do with Nick Foles, who you've let rest and recover and teams know he's no longer broken, because uh, right now I'm not convinced that he's fully healthy. Yeah, I'm actually 100% with you on this one, Drew. I like Foles a lot, but I've also seen him do really great things in that mentor role. We saw it with Carson Wentz as well in Philadelphia. He can also step in when need be. I think he's still getting healed up. I don't think there's any reason to risk it here. Obviously, a lot of money on the table. You can look to trade him next year. You can look to have him mentor. You can look to have him start. Let him heal up. Get Minshew that extra time. If I remember correctly, Minshew started like uh, seven or eight games at this point, and he's somewhere around a 500 record. So he's been doing decently. He hasn't been doing bad. He's thrown quite a few touchdowns. I think it's in the double digits. I think his interceptions are below double digits, like maybe three or four or something around there. So he's been playing well. They just went back to Foles once Foles was able to come back out after Minshew had a few rough games. So I think this is a good move. It's not like they're throwing a rookie right into the Wolves' den. He's already been out on the field a few times or quite a few times at like seven or eight games. He knows his way around. Let him keep developing that chemistry. Let him get that experience. Allow Nick to keep healing, but also to give that advice in a mentor role. I really actually like this move from Jacksonville. Wrong. Wrong. Tyler, anything else on Minshew mania? Uh, I, I I don't know if Foles is going to give advice to Minshew. Gosh, if I'm Foles, the last thing I want to do is find advice to Minshew. I mean, the, Why he's getting paid either way. Yeah, I think Foles is totally okay with that. He loved doing it for Wentz. Did he do it for Wentz, or did he just say, like, yeah, I'm going to take over the team, win a Super Bowl, deuces, I'm getting my money. Wentz was definitely a better player when he was there. Yeah, and they both talked about it a lot in interviews. Like, they both, like, I don't want to say a father-son relationship, but, like, an older brother, younger brother relationship. Like, they were there mentoring each other. Foles kind of explained experiences that he went through, helped um, Wentz work through some, like, mechanical issues, I guess you call it, um, just improving his accuracy and things like that, so... I feel like he's good and he's really good in that role. He's honestly, people don't give him credit for it, but I think Nick Foles is one of the more humble players in the NFL. Like, yeah, he's went out there, he's won a Super Bowl, but he kept giving back to his team, giving back to his family, giving back to God. I mean, he's one of those players that's really willing to send everything out to everyone else and not take full credit for the amazing experiences that he did have in those games. I like Nick Foles a lot, if you can't tell. So I yeah. am a Foles fanboy. No, I'm there with you. Um, iffy. So sad. Well, we'll see what happens. He might have some drama. I actually haven't seen Foles make a statement at all. Um, I know the Jacksonville fans were booing him in this past game, so not the prettiest yeah. thing, but well, I three, hate when fans do that. But Three drives and three turnovers. It's hard not to get frustrated. Yeah, not the prettiest thing going on there. Uh, Josh Shaw, also not the prettiest thing. <laughs> uh, Josh Shaw with the Arizona Cardinals did a parlay bet on an Arizona Cardinals game. We all know that as a big no-no. If you're a player in professional sports, if you're involved in professional sports, you cannot be making gambling, especially when it's dealing with your own team. I don't think you're allowed to do it at all 
um, if I remember correctly. But either way, you shouldn't be doing stuff like that. It's a bad move. Shaw, I don't think he was playing in any of the games. Drew, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, I believe he was on the bench or in injured reserve at the time. At yeah, the same he hasn't, point, he, he hasn't played at all this year. He he got signed in March and then he went on injured reserve to start the year. So, uh, but either way, I mean, I'm pretty sure the contract and the league rules and all that say oh, yeah. no, no, no to this. Oh yeah, no, no, no. So, lesson of the day: Do not bet on sports teams. Do not bet on your own sports teams or within your own league. People like, let's come on. Hello, Josh Shaw. Welcome. Hopefully you heal up both the head and the body there. Ding, ding, ding. College football. Who will be in the college football playoff? Drew, what are we looking like in college football right now? How is this playoff shaping up? Uh, it's shaping up to be very, very interesting. Uh, for one thing, we will not see Alabama in the college football playoff this year. They made sure uh-huh. of that when their kicker missed a 30-yard field goal to give them their second loss of the year. Uh, and there are enough one-loss teams ahead of them that they will definitely not be in that field when the announcement is made. Um, otherwise, I think we're looking at what a lot of us expected. LSU's definitely going to be up there, assuming they don't somehow crap the bed against Georgia. Uh, Ohio State will definitely be there also, unless they crap the bed against Wisconsin, who they destroyed already once. Um, Clemson will definitely be there because there's no way they lose to Virginia. And it's that fourth team that's going to be really interesting because if you just make the assumption, we're making a lot of assumptions here, make the assumption that Oregon or that Utah beats Oregon in the Pac-12 championship and that Oklahoma beats Baylor again in the Big 12 championship, then you're going to have two one-loss conference champions vying for that number four spot. Um, and I think that's going to be very, very interesting to see who they ultimately decide has the better resume between those two teams. Okay, so what I want to happen here, so if the way I'm understanding this correctly, it is going to be Ohio State. Did you say up against Georgia? What? No. Okay, I missed that part. You're lagging for me, by the way. Oh, uh, gotcha. Um, so who is Ohio State playing in the cha- their championship or the next Wisconsin. game or whatever? They will play Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I really wanted the who Golden does Georgia Gophers. play? Gosh, I wanted the Golden Georgia Gophers so bad. I know, me too. Uh, Wisconsin is took Georgia care playing of LSU? They will play LSU for the SEC championship. Yeah, that's the game right there. That's going to be really interesting because right. if Georgia wins, that is really going to shake everything up here. It will absolutely destroy everything. Uh, that being said, Georgia doesn't deserve to be in the ranking that they're in, and I don't think they're even going to put up a challenge for LSU. Ooh, as a, it has been thrown. As a major SEC fan, Georgia does not deserve to be where they're at, and I think we're going to see that when LSU just destroys them and leaves nothing behind. Okay, so with that in mind, we're pretty much looking at what, Utah and Oklahoma at that point, maybe Minnesota? Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. I don't remember what we called a couple weeks ago. I think I said Oklahoma. I want to say Tyler said Minnesota, and you might have said Utah for that four spot. I said Utah, and technically it could also be Oregon, but I think they're also a two-loss team. So that is also... Uh, a little tricky for them. Yeah, let's see. Baylor is a one-loss team, so and their only loss was to Oklahoma. So if they beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship, that makes them a one-loss uh, conference champion who only lost to Oklahoma, who's currently ranked number six in the AP Top 25. So there, there's a lot of possibility for craziness to happen here. 
Um, I'm still going to stand firm on Alabama not making it in, though, because even if somehow LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson all lose their conference matchups, that would give them all still just one loss. So the three of them will all still be firmly ahead of two loss, not conference champion Alabama. So, but there could be a lot of chaos just depending on how some of these games go. And I'm very, very excited about it. I, I don't know, because I think if LSU loses to Georgia, that might, that could shift them out potentially. No, LSU would just go to four. They would, exactly. There, there would be one loss to the SEC champion. I mean, how do you, I, I, we've seen it before. They wouldn't leave them out then. It would, yeah, it would go. I guess that's true. I mean, now it would it would screw everything up. Yes, if Ohio State lost, though, that would that would nick someone, which I'm totally okay with. Yeah, aren't yeah. we all? Um, <laughs> I mean, UVA is going to get destroyed by Clemson. So yeah, I think that's Clemson would go to the one seed. If Ohio State lost, they would go to the three seed. If LSU lost, they would go to the four seed, and Utah or Oklahoma would go in. I think Georgia's on its way out. Over. Uh, okay, gotcha. I think Georgia's on its way out. I mean, Utah and Oklahoma losing. If LSU wins, Georgia's out. And Utah or Oklahoma's in. And more likely Oklahoma's in. Than Utah. Cause you, you think, assuming that if, if everyone wins that's supposed to win, you would put Oklahoma in over Utah? Yeah, I'd put Oklahoma over Utah. Is that what you're saying? Yes, Oklahoma over Utah uh, because Utah hasn't, I mean, they've only lost to USC, but they play in the Pac-10 that everyone falls asleep on, and the Pac-10 has not been very good this year. Um, the only no, good Not outside of them and Oregon, really. I mean, oh yeah, Oregon is okay. Oregon has played Auburn which they've lost to Auburn and lost to ASU. And so now they play him in the Utah plays Oregon in the um what do you call it? In the Pac ten championship, Pac twelve championship. So that's gonna be um Utah's ticket in. If they beat Oregon, they're in. Because Georgia's gonna lose. And so they have to hope Oklahoma loses and then Utah's in. So, so if Baylor beats Oklahoma and Utah wins, you don't put Baylor in over Utah. No. Because Baylor, okay. let me go back to my schedule. Wow, Baylor's at eight right now on the but AP and coaches. The the only team they've really beat was, uh, or at that point would be Oklahoma. They lost to them earlier. They beat Texas, who finished the season not ranked because they're not back. Um, and they beat Ohio St- or Iowa State, who is now ranked. But now, You say now ranked. Yeah, overall, right, they weren't ranked when they played them. So, I mean, that when you say now ranked, it's like, okay. And even, even if you – I mean, it goes both ways. Yes, they were a good team before. But I feel like Baylor, um, they've – they haven't played anybody because everyone, literally everyone in the Big Twelve, is five and four. Hmm. So everybody can beat everybody. It goes Oklahoma eight and one, Baylor eight and one, and then you have Texas, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Iowa State five and four. 
and the rest of them might as well be five and four: West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas. So, which man, I was really hoping Kansas to have a good year. Hmm. They look better than they've looked in a long time, though. So yeah. Yay for silver linings. Go less miles. <laughs> Okay, so we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. I mean, we could all make our predictions. We did a week or so ago. I think the only difference here is we have no idea how these things are voted upon. We argue about it every year. Who makes it into the college football playoffs? Who makes it into March Madness on the bubble? We don't always agree with the committee, so we'll have to wait and see how all that plays out. Unless you guys want to make predictions. I'm okay passing up on this one. I can already tell you who's going to win. I mean, if you really want to screw something up, get Clemson to lose. <laughs> Whew, yeah. That would be crazy. That would be some cray cray. That yeah, that would be crazy. Actually, actually, I think if Clemson lost, just Clemson lost to the teams that we know, then I think it would be Ohio State, LSU, Oklahoma, and Utah. That's exactly who I would pick too. Yep. But I do though, not see Clemson losing. No, and they would probably still deserve to be there even if they did lose. But the committee won't put them in there because of the teams that they play during the regular season. Done, done, done. Okay, our committee moves on. Just a couple more topics before we wrap up this episode. College basketball. We have to touch on it a little bit. There was some crazy stuff that happened. Drew, talk us through Michigan this past week. Okay, so Michigan uh, came into this week uh, just completely unranked. Um, you know, they've been good the last few years, but they've lost a lot of talent, and just not a lot of people had a lot of respect for what they were coming back with. New coach, new guys. Um, but they got to play in the Bad Boy Mowers Battle for Atlantis Tournament. Uh, they started off by beating Iowa State, who is uh, similarly unranked, but never a bad team. Um, they're currently sitting at 3-2. and two. Uh, no, But no big surprise there. Uh, then the next game, they knocked off number 6 North Carolina, 73-64, to 64, um, which was fairly shocking. Um, North Carolina being always a very, very good team. Uh, you know, always a sure bet to make it pretty far. Uh, and then on the other side of that bracket, you had Gonzaga, who had just knocked off uh, number 11, Oregon, in the Bad Boy Mowers Battle for Atlantis. And yes, I'm going to say that full thing every time because I like saying Bad Boy Mowers Battle for Atlantis. It's a ridiculous <laughs> sponsor for uh, a tournament being held in the Bahamas. Do they even have grass to mow in the Bahamas? Isn't it just all palm trees? Bermuda anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, Michigan then closed out the battle for Atlantis, sponsored by Bad Boy Mowers, by knocking off number eight Gonzaga, eighty-two to sixty-four. A not even close game. So they went from being unranked all the way to coming into the rankings at number four, tying the highest debut by a team in the top twenty-five after starting the season outside of the top twenty-five. So they knocked off two top ten teams in the matter of twenty-four hours. So I think a lot of people are now uh, starting to give Michigan, sitting at 7-0, and a little more respect, and I think they're going to be a force this year, uh, unless this was all a bit of a fluke. And we'll get to find that out tomorrow, because they are playing the new number one, Louisville, in the Big Ten ACC Challenge at 7.30 on ESPN. So make sure you tune in and watch that. Uh, Louisville being the new number one, because Duke uh, did something that was really, really funny. They lost to Stephen F. Austin on their own court. Did you get to see that? That's almost crazier than the Michigan wins, to be honest to me. Like, I cannot believe that happened. Like, Stephen F. Austin, they're always one of those teams. I feel like they pull off some kind of upset every year. 
but an upset against the number one, not only the number one, but Duke as the number one, and not only Duke, but Duke on their home turf at Cameron Indoor. That's absolutely insane to me. Like, I mean, was they, the blue man not there? What happened here? I mean, they had won, like, what, 137 games in a row against non-conference opponents at home or something to that effect? Gosh, I, don't I actually remember. don't know how many it was. I remember they had that loss to Lehigh in March Madness a couple years back. Let's see. Uh, something that hadn't been done in almost 20 years. Let's see. A jarring end to Duke's 150-game home-winning streak against non-conference opponents. Jeez. 150 games against non-conference opponents at Cameron Indoor, and they lost. Well, it had to happen eventually, right? <laughs> did you see the replay of the final of the of the game-winning uh, layup? I did not. Oh, just beautiful, just great hustle and rebound uh, on the other end of the court, and throwing it out to a guy on a fast break, and just perfect layup. Those fifth-year senior got ice water in his veins. Wonderful. And, and, there's a very cool story to go with that guy. So, he is from the Bahamas. Uh, not sponsored by Bad Boy Mowers now. Um, <laughs> and his family and his whole area was very heavily impacted by Hurricane Dorian. Um, oh. And he had a GoFundMe set up, basically trying to, you know, get some money to help his family and help their area recover. Well, his goal on GoFundMe, I think, was about 20000 And he had about $2,000 in there before this game. Last I checked, a few days after that game, his GoFundMe was up over $100,000. The publicity that he got Jeez. for them upsetting Duke and him specifically hitting that game-winning layup brought so much attention to this that his GoFundMe is at $120,000. And thankfully, it is being managed by Stephen F. Austin to make sure that it's all within compliance of the NCAA because that would just be something that they would do is penalize a player for raising money to help rebuild his hometown uh, because they're screwy and they have mixed up morals, and we're not going to get into that right now. But that's pretty amazing to see that people either A, care that much once they heard his story, or B, hate Duke that much they're happy to give him some money for helping uh, bring misery to that team. <laughs> it's probably the second one. I hope it's more the first, but either way, hey, the money's going to the right hands, right? Yeah, that's what we hope. Yeah, very, very true. Uh, yeah, so I just one more I have to mention. George Mason actually won their tournament. It, unfortunately, it was not brought to you by Bad Boy Mowers or whatever that sponsorship is. Uh, but they're sitting at 8-1, and one, guys, and I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think George Mason could hit the top 25 yeah. this year. I think they might just hit maybe that spot number 25, maybe just for a week. But I'm going to make the bold prediction that they kiss the top 25 at no, some point Dayton's this season. Gonna be, be awesome. Dayton is just so freaking good. They usually have... Dayton is very good. That usually from the A10 makes it top 25. I think Mason has a little bit more time left. Um, I so they've had a couple in recent years. VCU has been up there at a, a bit. LaSalle has been there. UMass, Rhode Island, Davidson, St. Louis, and St. Joe's have all been, or and St. Bonaventure. No, just St. Joe's. Now the Bonnies them. had a good upset a few years ago. But they yeah, ranked. so there's been a lot of A10 teams that have been in the top 25 for so, a while. We'll see. I mean, yeah, I know a little bit of the time, but with all these tournaments, it's literally preseason still. These tournaments, I mean, absolutely. When it comes to no one is – when we're, we're in the heart of March Madness come the end of February, no one is going to – hardly anybody is going to be looking at these tournament games. 
to be honest. Why? Remember that time Stephen F. Austin beat Duke? Oh, we got to put on. Well, keep that in mind, though, because a lot of the times these tournaments have been the reason oh, no. that certain teams have got in no. on that bubble. Or 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 impacts their seating. Yeah, it, these, yeah, it's been a huge uh, impact for March Madness before. Your average fan may not, but when when the committee is looking at these teams and who gets in and who doesn't, a big win against a, a big name team goes a long way for an at large bid. And it's not going to be big for like these small conferences or not the major conferences, I guess you say, like a mid major. Something like the Atlantic Ten, George Mason winning their tournament against the opponents they did, is not going to be what pushes them over the bubble most likely. But these smaller teams, like a Stephen F. Austin, some of these other teams that put up some good numbers, those are the teams that really need this little buffer to get them over because it brings up their what's the thing called? Uh, it's not the AP. Yeah, that thing. So when you look at that overall, that really bumps that up because of that win and that strength of schedule is usually what a lot of these bubble teams come down to. We'll see. We will see. Anything else, boys, on episode 45 of Come At Me, Bro? Just some crickets out there in the outfield. Am I still here? Yeah, you're here. Oh, you guys are just that silent. Wow. And I should have kept it that silent. You had your chance. Okay, big boy mower. Slow it down there, guys. This brings us to the end of episode 45 of Come At Me, Bro. Check us out on Twitter at CAMB Podcast. Comments, uh, really anything. Comments, questions, concerns. Shoot us some polls. Talk about Tyler and his Bill's hate or Bill's love. Uh, Come At Me, Bro Podcast at otnmedia.org is where you can email us those comments, questions, everything like that as well clips if you send us some clips we can play them on the show hit us up there last but not least if you like what we do here at come at me bro and otn support us on patreon or consider supporting us on patreon patreon.com forward slash otn thanks again for joining us this week guys and we'll catch you next week i'm a guy in a buffalo This podcast is part of the Overtime Network. Get more at OvertimeNetwork.com.